Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast Instant Reaction Royal Rumble 2020. Obviously, we're going to spend a lot of time on the Monday afternoon show with Beningo and I talking about Kobe Bryant, the, the shocking loss of Kobe. And so the Royal Rumble served as a distraction because this has been an incredibly sad day, an emotional day for all of us. And so wrestling was good. Wrestling was good. You know, putting something on to just kind of take your mind off of the real world was really, really good. And this is a pay-per-view, a big event. I shouldn't say pay-per-view. A big event that all of us love. I mean, I freaking love the Royal Rumble. No matter what is going on in the WWE, this is the one event every year I'm just excited for. And so as this weekend was going on, I was excited, even though I went into the Rumble thinking it was very predictable. And the end, I guess, wasn't. Because to me, I really thought over the last three days, more so than ever, that Roman Reigns was going to win the Royal Rumble. That the WWE had been working so hard since Roman had come back to get the fans to like him. And for the most part, they've done a pretty good job. I mean, Roman is, for the most part, over with the crowd. You did hear a smattering of boos tonight, especially during the opening match. You did hear a lot of groans, you know, when Roman does a spear or a Superman punch. But there is a huge difference between the Roman Reigns of today and the Roman Reigns of, say, two and a half years ago with the way the crowd reacts. The fact that there was going to be a last man standing match, the fact that the broadcasters kept putting over the idea of how is Roman going to be ready to fight in the Royal Rumble match. And he's been kept away from the championship since the moment he's come back. You know, they've really done a good job of keeping him in feuds, keeping him in angles, some we like, some we don't, like this Baron Corbin thing. And they've kept him away from the championship picture. And you figure, all right, over a year removed from Roman coming back, or basically around a year from Roman coming back, you give him the Rumble victory, you give him a title match, and you give the coronation of Roman Reigns, which still may happen. We still may get that. But they did it a different way. And what they did at this Rumble tonight that I have to give them a ton of credit for is they changed my view on Drew McIntyre. Now, Drew McIntyre was a guy who, when we did the Royal Rumble preview prediction podcast, one of our panelists, John Bogan, predicted McIntyre would win, so I give him a lot of credit. And that was a name you heard a lot about the last few days. I think a few guys called in and would quickly say, I think McIntyre is going to win. So I'm not saying the win came out of nowhere. Obviously, there have been people thinking that with the way they've pushed Drew over the last few weeks, maybe they give him the Royal Rumble victory. But the point I made a few days ago, and I really felt this going into the event, is I didn't think of Drew McIntyre as a Royal Rumble winner. I didn't think of him as a guy that's ready to potentially main event. Just because you win the Rumble, obviously, you're going to be in a title picture, but we don't know if it's the main event. could be the first match of the night. Just ask Sheamus. And the match could be eight seconds. Just ask Daniel Bryan and Sheamus. But what they did at this Rumble tonight that was so brilliant that I have to give them a lot of credit for is they made people like me, and I'm not saying I'm the majority, Maybe I am the minority, but they made people like me care about Drew McIntyre and believe in Drew McIntyre. They booked him so incredibly well. They gave you an obvious conclusion to this story, which is clearly him and Brock Lesnar. And they did it in a really compelling way. They put him over in a major way. 
One thing I didn't love about Kofi Mania last year is that it felt like it was rushed. It felt like it was really quick. Well, you started kind of re-pushing Drew McIntyre more than a few weeks ago. What do you want to say, a month ago maybe? Whatever the calendar says. And you've gotten him over as a face over the last few weeks, leading in to what is supposed to be the beginning of the road to WrestleMania. So I don't think this is too late at all. And this is a guy that they've booked as a monster for a while. And what they did brilliantly tonight is they made him a monster. They made him look incredibly strong. The crowd believed in it. The crowd ate it up. The broadcasters did a really good job of even selling the idea of, can you believe this guy has not a championship match since he's back? Even at the end after he wins, throwing in, Drew McIntyre was fired by the WWE. You know, since McIntyre has come back, and I I don't even know how long it's been now, a couple of years, they haven't really mentioned the first incarnation of Drew McIntyre. They've barely mentioned it. They've tried to avoid it. I think they've shown you that they're going to make that a big part of the story now, that this is Drew McIntyre, his reckoning, his comeback. And they gave you a reason to care about him. Certainly, it's easy to believe how strong he is. He's big, he's muscular, he's in great shape. And they gave you the feud. They gave it to you with the Brock Lesnar stuff. So, you know, you want to add some drama, and they try to at the end of the night by saying, who's Drew McIntyre going to challenge? We know who he's going to challenge. I mean, that, that isn't really something we're debating. We don't think he's challenging the fiend Bray Wyatt. We know he's challenging Brock Lesnar. And what I think the WWE did so well tonight is we want him to challenge Brock Lesnar. And even though Brock's best matches are with the little guy, his best matches are with Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles, guys like that. So I'm not 100% convinced Brock McIntyre is going to bring the house down at WrestleMania, but they're giving you a storyline behind it. They're giving you the two powerhouses. They're giving you Brock looking for revenge. And, you know, hopefully the match will be good. I mean, Brock's had some good matches against powerhouses. I thought the first WrestleMania match he had with Roman Reigns, the one where Seth Rollins cashed him, I thought that was very good. It was quick. I mean, you can't have, you know, a 25-minute match between Brock and McIntyre, and you don't expect to have a long match with Brock anyway. But they put McIntyre over in a really, really effective way. And the other thing they did so well, boy, I'm just throwing out compliments tonight. I'll get to the negatives. I mean, there are some negatives. But the other thing, and I'm not sure everybody's going to agree with this. I, I don't know. I'm just telling you how I feel. I loved what they did with Brock. There was a question of how this was going to go with Lesnar. We all assumed, hey, we're going to leave the night knowing his next opponent, and that guy may win the Rumble, and we may obviously know he's going to challenge Brock, which turned out to be the case, where someone's going to eliminate him, not win the Rumble, but we're still going to know, hey, this is the feud we're going to get from Brock at WrestleMania. So we kind of knew there was that end game. I don't think any of us really thought Brock was going to win the Rumble, and the announcers did a terrible job of speculating what would happen. You know, if Brock wins the Rumble, what is he going to do? Well, I think most of our assumptions would be he's going to unify the titles, but that was never brought up. Like, that idea doesn't even make sense. But the question was, how quickly are they going to give us that Brock story? 
Are they going to give it to us right away? Is the guy who comes out number two, whether it was Kane Velasquez, a guy we talked about during the prediction podcast, or it's, you know, whomever, whoever you want to come up with, is it going to happen early? Is it going to happen late? Is it going to happen in the middle? And how long can Brock go? I loved what they did. They give us Elias right out of the gate, which tells you, okay, Brock's going to go through him quickly. And he's going to go through a few people quickly. The question was, how many guys are you going to go through? He goes through Elias. I have no problem with that. He goes through Eric Rowan. No problem with that. He goes through Robert Roode. Fine. John Morrison. I don't know. They just brought him back. They're trying to put Morrison over, but okay. And then Kofi comes in. And my fear is, wait a second, they can't have Brock go through Kofi again after 10 seconds. So they give you the combo. They say, all right, we're going to let Kofi survive the two minutes. Here comes Rey Mysterio two on one. Here comes Big E three on one. And even though at first I didn't want him to eliminate Kofi easily, I love the fact that he eliminates all three. It was tremendous. I liked it. Now, do I like the fact that Kofi Kingston has never gotten a rematch for this championship? No. And, you know, maybe on the road to WrestleMania, they'll actually give the people that. They should. And they should have a real wrestling match. We know Brock's going to win, but you could give us a 10-minute, you know, close call match between Brock and Kofi. But I got to tell you, I loved it. He eliminates all three. Then he goes back to eliminating guys one by one. He takes out Cesaro. He takes out Shelton Benjamin in what was a very entertaining Oh, they're buddies. They were college teammates. Brock's giving him a big sweaty hug, and then Brock eliminates him. I mean, do I love the fact that a guy like Nakamura is eliminated as easily as he was? It's not ideal. You don't want to make the locker room look that terrible. When he does it to MVP, no big deal. Then we get Keith Lee. And now you stop and say, all right, well, what, what's going to happen here? Because they really pushed Keith Lee at the end of Survivor Series, right? Or in the middle of Survivor Series, whenever the hell that match was with him and Roman at the end of the uh, the big men's Survivor Series five-on-five-on-five five five match, whatever the hell you want to call it. So what are they going to do with him? Is he the guy? We had mentioned in the preview podcast, could Keith Lee be the guy? Be a great way to promote the NXT brand. And they made Lee look good, and Strowman comes in, and again, you've got the two-on-one, and I'm thinking, all right, so that's it. So Brock eliminated whatever it is, 12 guys, 11 guys. Now Keith Lee's in. Now Strowman's in. All right, we have ourselves a regular Royal Rumble match. And then he eliminates both of them. <laughs> and I'll tell you why I didn't hate it. Because even though Keith Lee was only in the match for three, four minutes, whatever it was, I don't think they made him look bad. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. I think Keith Lee still looks strong. Obviously, he's not going to main event WrestleMania. He's not even going to be in a program with Brock, at least at Mania. Maybe they do something short-term, which I don't think is good for Keith Lee. But I walked away saying, all right, fine. You know, Braun Strowman is on. He's in this period now where Strowman had the rocket ship push, never got the title, and now he's just going to spin his wheels for the rest of his career. Then we get Ricochet. All right, you know, we get the little guy versus Brock. This is fun. Now McIntyre comes in. Now once McIntyre comes in, okay, we have a Royal Rumble match. This is the second or third time I'm actually thinking it. But I didn't think McIntyre was going to be the guy yet. Even though there was a big pop for them staring each other down, there was a big pop for Brock and Keith Lee staring each other down. I never really thought, all right, this is the guy. 
The only time I thought he was the guy is when he eliminates him with the Claymore kick. But keep this in mind, and I don't know if they're going to do something with this. There was a low blow by Ricochet, all right? So if you're Paul Heyman, if you're Brock Lesnar, you may be looking for some, for some revenge on Ricochet before you get to McIntyre. And so that was the first half of the Rumble. And Michael Cole mentioned this a few times, but it was true. You had two Royal Rumbles. You had the Brock Lesnar Invitational, and then you had the traditional Rumble. And I liked it. And I liked it because it was different. You know, we've had a lot of Royal Rumbles. And at times it feels repetitive, especially when they do the act of Kofi Kingston not being eliminated in some kind of weird act of him getting back in the ring, which they did with uh, Naomi during the Women's Rumble, which we'll get to in a little bit. They didn't have to really pull that kind of garbage. And they gave you something different. And I liked it. Did it make the locker room look weak? I mean, maybe. Maybe a few guys did. There are a few guys that jump out at you that you say that wasn't ideal. I don't think it was ideal for Nakamura. I don't think it's ideal for a guy like John Morrison or Robert Roode, if you have any plans of building him up. But I thought Keith Lee came away from it okay. MVP, who cares? That was one of those surprises nobody cares about. So now we have our traditional Royal Rumble. Now let's get to what could be the lead on any other day. And how many minutes have I now been on? And I haven't mentioned this. And that is the fact that Edge came back. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. I I didn't believe. I know where there's smoke, there's fire. So when you hear, oh my God, Edge has been cleared. He's literally coming back. He's going to be in the Rumble. You want to believe it. Maybe you should believe it. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it for a few reasons. First of all, 2011 is a long time ago. You know, Daniel Bryan being cleared after a year or so. That's different. That's different. This guy's been gone for nine years from an injury that was incredibly serious, a neck injury, from an injury that I just don't think or didn't think he was ever going to come back and, and wrestle from. So when his music goes off, genuine, oh my God, this is happening. And this is a real one because... The WWE has a lot of these Royal Rumble surprises, and a lot of them are what I like to call cheap pops. They're guys that you liked, not trying to put them down, but guys that coming back really don't mean anything long term. You know, the Dudley boys coming back is cool. Don't get me wrong. Love the Dudley boys, but it doesn't mean anything when they come back. When Mr. Perfect came back in 2002, whatever year it was, big pop, it's Mr. Perfect. I mean, you know, okay, he'll wrestle a little bit, but where's it going? This is one of those returns that you just have a million questions about. I mean, I don't think Edge is coming back to just show up in the Royal Rumble. I mean, Edge is coming back to wrestle. Is it as a full-timer? Is he going to pull Shawn Michaels, what Shawn Michaels did when he came back in 2002? I don't know. That's one of the many questions we have. Is he just going to become a part-time guy? Is he going to become a Lesnar kind of guy? I don't know. Again, one of the questions that we have. But Edge coming back is a big freaking deal. What I was confused about as he entered the ring, and he looked great. He really did. Other than a little bit under his eyes, you could see his age and maybe the gray beard. And I'm nitpicking. The guy looked outstanding. Great shape. I don't even know how old he is. I don't even want to know. And you got past the fear of his neck after about 20 seconds. You know, after a few spears, you're thinking, all right, Edge is fine. It'll be okay. But I'm starting to think, 
Is he going to win? Because because I've said this before, if you're going to have this kind of shocking return, he can't come back and lose. But I stand corrected because they booked him well. They booked him strong enough that you felt, hey, that was a great return. He's edge. He's back. Who are you going to feud him with? And I think you've got a few options based on what happened in the Rumble. And maybe his feud, his big WrestleMania match, has nothing to do with what happened in the Royal Rumble. But I think you've got three specific that you can go to. AJ Styles, who he eliminated. And I think that'd be just, I mean, a great match. And, and a dream match, which I know is a phrase that WWE throws around a lot. You've got that. You got Roman, because Roman eliminates him. And you could give us the, you know, the star of today, star of the past, Roman Reigns Edge, Battle of the Spear. The other one's Randy Orton, which you really can't do. I mean, you know, I get it. RKO is back. Rated RKO is back. And then Randy's about to turn on Edge. Edge ends up turning on Randy, which was fine. I thought that was all good stuff. But you can't give us a match between the two because we've seen it. You can't bring a guy like this back to give us Edge Randy Orton. You have to bring him back to give us something we never thought we would see. You want to, If Edge is going to be full-time, and I have no idea if he is. I don't even know what brand he's going to be on. But if Edge is going to be full-time, look, you want to give us that match at Saudi Arabia or Elimination Chamber on the way to WrestleMania? I guess that's okay. But for a WrestleMania payoff, it's AJ Styles, it's Roman Reigns, it's take your pick. My gut would still say AJ Styles over Roman, but you've got options. And they're cool options, and they're fun options. And so that was awesome. What they did with Seth Rollins, I thought that was booked really well. He's thrown out, AOP catches him, he screws Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, they can continue that feud. I thought this was a great rumble. Can't believe I'm saying it. I don't have that many negatives. I guess we could pick on the fact that Matt Riddle was there for 30 seconds. You could try to say there weren't enough surprises. I mean, really, you didn't have a lot. You had Edge, you had MVP. I don't think anyone really cares about MVP's return. The only negative, and this is something that, I mean, you just can't get around because they have two championships, is that someone else is challenging Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship. And so, as McIntyre was eliminating Roman, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, I'm surprised because I thought Roman was going to win, but we may get what I thought anyway. You know, Roman may end up as the number one contender, fight Bray Wyatt anyway, and that's one of the things that does hurt the Royal Rumble a little bit, that winning the Rumble is cool, but there are two championships, and so it takes something away. We'll see what they decide to do. I would still guess Roman gets back in the title picture, like I mentioned at the top. But at least for this match and for this moment, they surprised at least me. Let's get to the rest of the card. Roman Reigns, King Corbin, false count anywhere. Here's the coolest thing that they did with this. And I, and I think we figured they would. They used the stadium to their advantage. Having the match end on the dugout, which still said World Series on it, by the way. I mean, it's been a few months. Can the Astros' grounds crew change a thing or two? But a spear on the dugout, I thought that was cool. You know, the Usos getting involved and uh, Dolph Ziggler, whatever. I mean, hopefully this feud is over. It probably isn't. We're probably going to get some kind of big six-man matchup. Hopefully it's just on a Raw, not a pay-per-view, not an elimination chamber. I guess you could just throw it out at Saudi Arabia since they've got that coming back. I'm a little surprised they opened the show with this, but hey, when they introduced Roman, you heard the booze. Keep an eye on that. 
You know, we were all happy for the real person that Roman Reigns is, that he's back and that he's healthy. But fans like to boo him. They go to the Women's Royal Rumble match. I didn't think this was good at all. There's a couple of problems. Number one, I just don't think the spots were that good. I just don't think that there was anything that was overly entertaining. I thought that here's the problem. The best spot of the night in the Women's Rumble was Mandy Rose landing on Otis to save her. That was the best part. And that's a problem. If that's the best part, you know, we got an issue. Jerry Lawler also being the analyst on this is also a problem because I can't get out of my mind what Jerry Lawler would have said 18 years ago. You know what he would have said? He'd be screaming about puppies. So I can't take him seriously. And then he gives that that line about Kelly Kelly. You know, uh, one time I asked Kelly Kelly for a picture of her so I could tell Santa this is what I want for Christmas. He's just a He's just a creepy old man. No one needs to hear it. No one needs to hear it. And I mentioned earlier about Naomi using the announce table to get back in the ring. We always have that funny, crazy Royal Rumble spot. Retire it. We don't need it anymore. As far as the ending is concerned, Shayna Baszler, Charlotte Flair, and then the idea of Ronda Rousey coming back. We didn't get Ronda. We got a lot. I mean, they had to use NXT women to fill out this whole match. So as much progress as the WWE has made with women's wrestling, as more involved as they are on events and Raws and SmackDowns, again, they still needed to use some old legends like Mighty Molly Holly and bringing in Beth Phoenix and bringing in what's-his-name, you know, what's-his-name dressed as a woman, Santino Morella. That's a problem. You know, with the men's rumble, you feel like there are guys that weren't in it that should have been in it. And with the women's rumble, it felt as if they were just trying to find people to fill out the roster. What I do like about it is I don't watch a lot of NXT. So I got introduced to Bianca Belair and she was good and she had a good run in this match. But Charlotte, Baszler, Ronda Rousey. We don't get Ronda Rousey. As we've got Charlotte Baszler, uh, Shayna Baszler, there's that idea of who's going to win. I always thought it would be Charlotte. I figured they wanted to put that on a resume. They did. The problem is, who's she fighting at WrestleMania that's that compelling? There's no answer. We've seen her against Becky Lynch a million times. You want to see her against Bailey? There's just no answer. And that Bailey-Lacey Evans match was terrible. And the biggest problem is, Bailey is trying to act like a heel, but she's a face. And Lacey Evans is trying to act like a face, and she's a heel. The Becky Oscar match was also very disappointing. I didn't think that match was any good at all. We knew what this was about. At least this is what I thought it was about. And that's getting Becky this victory against Oscar. Becky's had a big year. She's defended her title all year long, except for that SmackDown title she had for a few months after WrestleMania. She's going to be the champion going into Mania. I Charlotte versus her, we've seen a million times. I just don't think it's that interesting. Maybe it is Shayna Baszler somehow. Again, you've got two champions like we have in the, the men's side. So you can still get someone who doesn't win the Rumble to be in a premier women's match. But I thought Becky Asuka was disappointing. Uh, the green mist thing is just stupid. She kicks her as the mist is coming out. A buddy of mine, Adam Eaton, not the baseball player, was saying that you could tell that the referee was fiddling with his pocket for a while to probably get the green mist to Asuka, but very predictable. One match I haven't discussed, the Universal Championship. They got rid of the red light. How about that? I mean, that's a victory in itself. 
that red light was just too weird. We needed to get rid of it. So I'm so glad that we finally did. Here's the thing about Bray. The fiend Bray Wyatt. I just like calling him Bray Wyatt. His character is so different and so grotesque and so unique that his matches are like an event. I got to hand it to the WWE. It really is. Because his intro, the music, him coming out, it's not something we see that often. And so I know there's been some criticism about the way he's been booked as champion or the way he's been booked in general. Look, they've booked him incredibly strong for the most part. He's a heel, so running away from Daniel Bryan in the lead-up to this is okay. It's not the end of the world. He hasn't lost the title. He hasn't lost. He hasn't won cheaply. I mean, he he beat Daniel Bryan. You know, he beat him. Mandible claw into a pin. It was a dominating victory. I know there were a lot of close calls, and that was fun. That's what you need. You don't want to make Daniel Bray. It wasn't a squash match, but it was a definitive victory for Bray Wyatt. But they keep his character exciting enough, different enough, and that intro not used enough to where his character is very special. And so I think overall the WWE's done a fine job with it. There were some good spots in this. Brian did the running kick into his sister Abigail that had a close two. You know what's nuts, though? To think that in 2014, the birth, not the birth of the Yes movement, but it was born long before that, but that moment where the crowd was just so upset with WWE booking for Brian not even being in the Rumble, Batista winning it, Bautista winning it, Brian fought Bray Wyatt at that event six years ago. And here they are fighting for the Universal Championship. So Bray's going to be the champion going to Mania. And the problem I have, you know, because I had mentioned I would have loved if they got the title off of him. I don't think that the title needs to be on him for the reasons I gave. He's such a special attraction character that he doesn't need the belt. But they put the belt on him. So once the belt's on him, how do you take it off? I get the problem that they had. The only way they were going to be able to take it off of him was some kind of fluky ending. You know, if they wanted to set something up with The Undertaker, then they could have had The Undertaker show up. Obviously, that's not what they're doing. I don't feel like there's anybody on this roster right now that gives you a main event. This is the guy to take the belt off Bray Wyatt feel. Now, Vince disagrees because it's going to probably be Roman Reigns. I just don't feel that. And I think that's part of the problem with him being champion. There's no obvious conclusion to it there's no good conclusion to it forget obvious there's no good conclusion to it it's all right brian lost he'll go into some other feud clearly it's not going to be for the championship clearly he's not in the main event but it was a fine match it was okay you know what i found myself doing in the middle of this match the fact it was a strap match i went on my ipad and started searching strap match on wwe network and i realized there has been a crap ton of strap matches Ones I forgot about that happened. Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair had a strap match at Uncensored. Uh, Billy Kidman and the franchise Shane Douglas had a strap match. Who else? Mark Henry Sheamus, I think, had a strap match. The Rock and Triple H at Fully Loaded 1999 had a strap match. I didn't watch all of these matches. I just saw it when I searched and saw it. Wow, there's been... There's been a ton of strap matches. There's been so many strap matches, yet I can't remember them. Which I guess just shows you that they're very unmemorable. So no title changes tonight. The headline is McIntyre's a monster, him and Brock Lesnar. 
and Edge is back. So if I had to book WrestleMania based on the way they booked the Royal Rumble, not based on how I would do it, this is what I think we're looking at at WrestleMania 36 in Tampa. Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar, which I think they may actually put on last. It may truly be the main event of the night. Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt for the Universal title. They'll figure out some weird way for Roman to get that number one contendership, and that, that buildup's going to suck. We're all going to hate it. By the time we get to WrestleMania, we'll all be fans of Bray Wyatt. That's what that comes down to. And I think we're going to get Edge against AJ, if I had to guess. If I had to guess, based on what happened and interactions during the Rumble, that's what they would do. I want to see Roman Edge just so I don't see Roman Reigns Bray Wyatt. Now, could they could they go Edge Bray Wyatt? Could they do that? Uh, I mean, they could. I don't think it's that great. There's the, the problem is there's nothing great attached to Bray Wyatt as far as a championship match is concerned. But here's the overall sense. I thought this was a good Royal Rumble. I think it started off predictable, but I think once we got to the actual Royal Rumble match itself, it gave you everything you needed out of a Rumble. There were differences, the Brock domination. There were guys being pushed, Drew McIntyre, and there was the ultimate surprise in Edge actually making his return to the ring. And I would be surprised if it's a one-off. I don't think Edge, for the first time in nine years, comes back to just compete in the Royal Rumble and then disappear. Either way, the Royal Rumble was a welcome distraction on this just horrible, horrible day. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. And hopefully the Rumble entertained you. Listen to Joe and I, 2 o'clock, we'll be talking a lot about the life, the legacy, the career of Kobe Bryant. We'll also get you ready for Super Bowl. Because it is Super Bowl week. But thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.